If you like being indecisive, swinging, or group therapy, then this episode of Riverdale is for you. I'm Lisa and I'm Dawn and this is I Hate It Let's Watch It where we watch shows we love and then rip them apart. I uh, I honestly don't know where to start. I know. I really you're, don't. You're very you're frustrated this week. I, I can tell. I have a lot of anger. <laughs> a lot of anger. I'm really looking forward to unleashing it on this episode because yeah. I have a lot of problems with it. I feel like it was a um I <laughs> I use the term loosely but a throwaway episode. Yeah. Yeah, there was so little actual substance to it. And, you know, I think now's now's a good time, like, fair warning. You know, if you liked this episode of Riverdale, you're not going to like this episode of our podcast. No. <laughs> so just go away because uh, we're about to rip this to shreds. Yeah, it's it's going to it's going to be rough, but we'll get through it <laughs> together and with alcohol. And to get us started, here's our 60 second summary. It's the reveal we've all been waiting for. Tony finally announces who the baby daddy is, and we still don't really know. It's either Kevin or Fangs, but the three of them have decided to raise the baby together, which is certainly a choice. A choice that is complicated by the fact that Kevin starts to have cold feet about whether or not he's ready to be engaged to Fangs or raise a child. The only person handling this situation worse than Kevin is Cheryl, who for some reason feels entitled to Tony's baby and happiness. She throws a key party with the sole purpose of breaking up Fangs and Kevin and convincing Tony to move in with her at Thornhill to raise the child with her instead. Wow. Just wow. Tony obviously rejects the offer and says she's done with Cheryl for good. Art appraiser Minerva Marble swoops into comfort Cheryl and ends up making a move on her. You know, after essentially blackmailing Cheryl into painting her as Diana the Huntress in exchange for not reporting the attempted art fraud. Archie realizes he still has feelings for Veronica, which leads him to ending his fling with Betty, and Veronica realizes the same thing, so she announces her plan to divorce Chadwick. Betty and Alice receive a frantic phone call from Polly, and they rush to collect her from a payphone along the lonely highway. But when they arrive, all they find is a smashed up phone booth and a lot of blood. Also, Jughead has started seeing things which either has to do with aliens or alcoholism, or both. MVP of the week Tabitha suggests that he should go to therapy, and we couldn't agree more. Do you have anything you want to start with? No. <laughs> I think you need to just gung-ho this okay, shit. Okay, hold on. I So I, I made a list of all the things that pissed me off. So pick a number from one to five. Right down the middle, three. Three. Okay, so let's talk about Cheryl. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't feel sympathy for Cheryl anymore. No, I, I agree with you. I thought I thought... I had some sympathy for her, but now she's just back to her manipulative ways, and I don't get what she's going to get out of anything she's doing. The The woman has an ass load of psychological problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Blossoms are fucked three ways towards the weekend, and it's obviously rubbing off on her in some way, and I feel bad about that, but... That can't continue to be an excuse for her reckless and vicious behavior. Right. So the way that she reacts to Tony's news about the pregnancy uh, just blew my mind because she was so upset. And I don't fully understand why. Well, she gave off the idea that she was upset. I don't think th- I think those were crocodile tears. Well, she said to Minerva that Tony pierced her heart with a dagger or something with the, the news that she shared. The look I just gave but why, you. But why would she... But the, I don't understand. Why would she fake that? Because she is trying very hard to get her way. And her way is she wants Tony all to herself. 
And at this point, she knows she's not going to get it because Tony is interacting with the outside world that she's not a part of anymore. So she's just like, she wants that high school, she wants to go back to the whole high school feeling of the two of us together all the time. This really fucking blows my mind because she could have had this. She, oh, it, she yeah. literally she could have had it. this. She And I don't understand why. And this brings me back to things that I have mentioned before, where Cheryl was supposed to stay home from college to redeem the Blossom name and run the business and turn things around. And we have no idea what she did no. in that time other than become this psychotic shell of a person that she used to be and we have no explanation for it we don't know exactly what went down if something else happened or if she just sank further into the depression that she was already in maybe she never even tried to redeem the blossom maybe maybe she just said that and then never pursued it yeah i'm still questioning the artistic like did she always have that (laughs) i'm trying to think back and i don't remember her painting no i don't remember she always had kind of odd hobbies right and now she's become this like go-to artist and it's like where the hell did this come from well she had a lot of years to hone it so i guess if she picked it up in the past seven years she had the time to get really good at it since she wasn't running the maple syrup business or i mean we have no idea we have no context for it and i think that's what makes part of this so frustrating is is i don't understand like we're supposed to feel bad for her that she's not with tony but she gave tony up for no apparent reason Mm -hmm. and and tony's tried and isn't getting anywhere so it's no one's fault but her own cheryl was like so offended that it was with Kevin and Fangs, and I don't quite get why she was so upset about like, that. I don't either. Like, they're not strangers. It's not like Cheryl could have provided a baby for Tony. Right. So, uh, like, the they would never have been able to have a baby together, per se. And, I, I mean, we'll get into later. That's another one of my five points here of why maybe Kevin and Fangs were not the right people to enter this arrangement with but i just don't understand cheryl is so repulsed by it and Mm -hmm. it's like what is your problem with these people i don't understand her mindset at all i mean she's at this point officially off the rails i i just i yes (laughs) yeah i mean there's nothing else to to say about that and especially when she shows tony this creepy fucking nursery in thornhill no, I like I, I like myself some dark Gothic, goth stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. but that I wouldn't want to sleep there if I was a baby. No. <laughs> and and given that their relationship has been so fraught ever since the beginning of the season, the fact that she thought that Tony would even consider moving in with her and living with her and raising a child with her, she has to be legitimately insane. Right. And Tony brought up all of the points. Like, you really think I want to live with you like I did in high school with your two dead brothers in the house? Yeah, that didn't go so well. No, like, do I have to remind you? Like, that's how the conversation went. And that just reiterates your point of there's some mental instability there that I think is just deteriorating. It's getting worse over time. Yeah. And one of the things that really bothered me was when 
Cheryl seemed to insinuate that it was Tony's fault that she was so unhappy because she said something like, oh, so you have this Insta family and I'm just like rotting away at Thornhill. And it's like, that's literally your choice. Right. You are doing this to yourself and Tony's been trying to help you. And I don't know if the show is trying to make a point about mental illness or trying to make it. I don't know. I don't know because it's not it's not considered a direct storyline. But then, I mean, again, we'll talk about Jughead later. But I mean, that could be another one. I mean, if that if that's the route they're going, I mean, they got two people right now that could easily. Granted, the entire cast. Yeah, oh, I mean, everybody and, needs right. psychological But if we're going with the intense side of it, I think Cheryl and Jug are up there. So it's, you never know. But right now, she's not a likable person. I tried. I tried, yeah. but this episode really threw me over with her because... I, I just, I think that we need to see something from her, something humanizing in her to feel that there's potential there's for no her. compromise she in- she's just she says things like oh my beloved tony has stabbed me in the heart or you know whatever melodramatic thing she said but i don't feel bad for her and i don't know if that says more about me or about the show it's just it's very frustrating to see somebody have zero growth and progress and you know, it'd be one thing if nobody was trying to help her, but Tony's been actively trying to help her and it's not working. And I don't know what you do from here because either you continue down this path. Th- this feels like rock bottom. This episode feels like rock bottom for Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And if we don't start seeing something happening to to change the path that Cheryl's on, I don't understand how they can keep this going yeah I mean if anything I think it's primarily maybe just to have I think they want everybody kind of in their own different paths and this is the one way to write it but it's not the good it's not a good way no I I I just don't understand the writer's thought process because they had they had the opportunity to do something with Cheryl to really turn her around and make her into a different person and they didn't do it and and instead they've created this very sad very depressing character and it's just upsetting honestly like I don't like watching it and I don't understand Minerva's presence in this is she living at thornhill now oh, did she no. just like i hope not camp out there and is she like a penelope figure i don't understand why cheryl kissed her at the end or why she allowed that kiss to happen because i think it's the only connection she's getting i mean everybody else is kind of turning her away rightfully so but everybody's turning her away that just makes it even sadder it makes it sadder because because minerva's only there because she's basically blackmailing her at this correct it's not a relationship but she also doesn't know cheryl's past and she doesn't know cheryl's intricate she hasn't even tried right so that's a that's a clean (laughs) slate for cheryl so let me make out with this chick she knows nothing i guess but she also encouraged Cheryl to do the key party and that 
Like, that was just a terrible idea. Like, I don't understand. I feel like, like it would have been fun here? in different circumstances, but. Oh, my God. Well, you know, we can talk about the key party in a minute. That's another one of my points. But <laughs> I, I. I'm very excited about your points because that's, so that's points. how we're going to that's how we're going to run this episode. <laughs> go, yeah, I'll just have you pick a different number and then we'll, we'll go through all of them. I very, very sad about Cheryl. We'll see if there's any development, but I'm not really foreseeing that at all. Yeah. It's disturbing. And I, I don't like it. Nope. I don't like it. I'm going on the record. I don't like it. <laughs> All right. Pick another number. <gasps> Five. Five. Oh, how convenient. The key party. Oh. Okay. So I have to assume that this was Cheryl's only idea for how to get Tony to come to her house and agree to live in the creepy nursery because it serves no other purpose plot wise because there are no surprises. Nobody goes home with anybody that would be like... Ooh, and it that's pissed so me scandalous. Right. And it pissed me off that two couples left. And yeah. like, and right off the bat, the first two were like, "Nope, we're out." And Honestly, why did Veronica and Chad even come to the party? Was Chad going to be okay with Veronica going home with anybody? No. What? Why did they even act like this? Was and of course, a like typical, she picks Archie's key and blah blah blah. Like, let's just have a pissing contest again because. It was stupid, and, you know, I'm surprised she even agreed to just leave. Yeah. I, I, Veronica's one to fight it and be like, I don't give a fuck. But they left, fine, whatever, bye. Then the worst, the worst portrayal of a drunk person <laughs> is Jughead during this party. It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad because it's so stereotypical. Yes, like that, like slurring, overly clumsy, <laughs> stumbling. I, it was really bad. It was really bad. And I know that they want us to to get the impression that Jughead is in a bad place and is leaning on alcohol. To we help know him that from that. the mustache. We yes, right, yeah, we got it from the mustache. Right, like we already know he's in a bad place. <laughs> And, like, we've seen him slipping alcohol into some of his drinks and drinking at other random times, but we've never actually seen him this drunk. And the party doesn't seem to have been going on for very long before he is this drunk. I don't know. It it doesn't seem right. His level of inebriation does not seem correct for the time that passed. And even though he is apparently an alcoholic now, it still doesn't feel totally (laughs) accurate. No. So at that point... Tabitha takes him out of there, right? So we're down two couples. And like you said, as the party goes on, everybody coupled up is very predictable Mm -hmm. and perfectly paired off. Do you know what bothered me, though? The fact that Reggie kissed Fangs and then nothing happened between them afterwards. And Fangs was like, he's 100% straight. That, to me, felt exploitative that they did it at all. The show was being exploitative because they included that in their promo for the episode. And, like, why did it happen? Right. You led us to believe something would come of it. And right. nothing did. Yeah. And it felt to me just like they were trying to have two guys kiss and it be something that you might tune in to be like, oh, Reggie's gay? Oh, maybe. Or yeah. I, I didn't like the way that they did that because it didn't go anywhere i mean i i i kind of get why it went that way only because of kevin's situation they had to kind of do that in order to have kevin paired up with well they could have they could have paired fangs with reggie without having them kiss without it being a sexual right but i think it had to be to the point of 
oh, Reggie's been drinking. And that was his way of just being like, oh, that's what this party's all about. And like, you know, I think that's what it had. I think she had them decently boozed up prior to the well, key. Well, per Jughead, we know that that's apparently true. Right. And you could tell Reggie was a little I just, inebriated. I don't know. I, it didn't sit right with me. It felt like they did it for shock value. It was. I kind of, I was a little like, oh, hey. Well, Kevin's what face up? did make me laugh a lot. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> his his expression of shock was pretty hilarious. But I don't know. I It's not that I needed anything to happen between no, Reggie no, and Fangs. No. I just felt the fact that it didn't made it feel more like a pandering kind of yeah. gesture. But uh, yeah, actually, I just want to touch on the timeline of the party for a second because I really did feel like... This party was nothing but everybody arriving and having, like, one drink and then Cheryl announcing that it was time for party games. It really didn't seem like everybody was there for that long and mingling for that long before they got down to the key ceremony. Right, there was no need to mingle. It was nothing. I mean, there was a a distinct timeline. It was a distinct purpose of being there. And Cheryl said party games, but they played one game and it was like, okay, everybody leave now. (laughs) And it wasn't even a game because nobody hooked up. No, it was the most boring key party that has ever existed. Nobody, like, even, we got even Betty and Archie, who were like the sure thing. Boning like <laughs> mad, didn't even do it. And it, and that bothered me because I'm like, when it's, it's another one of my points, but okay. We okay. Get. Well, I mean, I, I'm just going to touch upon it quickly, but like, even in the beginning of the episode, Archie's, <laughs> Archie's in his fireman's uniform. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Because the first, like, I literally wrote my notes. I'm like, and sex. Because, I mean, that's, they led us to believe that anyway. So right here, I'm like, oh, they'll get the keys. Veronica's gone. You know, whatever. But that whole thing bothers me, too. That, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, why are we going backwards? Ugh! Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We will 100% get there. Do not worry. I just feel like the, the key party didn't need to happen. No. That's my main takeaway because there could have been other situations that led to the fallout from the key party. There didn't have to be a key party. And if nobody was going to hook up, I really don't see the point. Right. Like you said, it was really only for Cheryl just to get Tony in the house and to be able to show Tony the nursery. Right. That's, because that was the whole thing. Kevin was already having doubts about Fangs. Mm-hmm. So that could have played out in a different way. Right. Um, Veronica and Chad were already hanging by a thread, so their divorce could have come to light in a different way. Betty and Archie were already on the fritz because Archie is an idiot, and we already knew Jughead was an alcoholic, so, uh, that was taken care of. We got, yeah, there was no new information. There was no new information, and I just, uh, this, this was sloppy. This writing was sloppy. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. And Minerva and Jackson didn't need to hook up. No, but they were the last. They two were the odd to... ones out, and so they just had to pair them up together. I think they were the most, though. Like maybe realistic. they hooked up. Yeah, yeah like, maybe okay, they actually yeah. did fuck. They actually looked like they were interested in fucking, which yeah. was fine. They Good. may have been the only ones. Make it worth their while because the rest of the party sucked. Yeah, and also I feel like it was being implied that Cheryl somehow orchestrated things to work out the way that they did, but I don't understand how they could have done that. Yeah. Because how could they have controlled the keys that were being selected at that time? They couldn't. It's just people knowing other people's keys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right? It was a clear bowl. I'm like, searching easily... for the fob that I recognize. Yeah. Um, okay, pick another number. One. 
Archie and Veronica. Oh, I hate this. I hate this so much. I, this, I mean, it's number one because it was the first place I had to start when I was ranting frantically about this episode. Why the fuck did they even bother to have Veronica get married if she was just going to get divorced and go back to Archie within five episodes? Yeah. That's my biggest beef. I, like I said prior, I, why are we going backwards? Why do they have to reconnect? Why, why does this have to be a thing? I don't like it. I, I don't like it. It's the opposite of character growth. Right? And the thing, the thing that bothers me is I really felt like they were setting, setting something up. And, you know, if this had happened over time, it would have annoyed me, but I don't think it would have annoyed me as much as it does now because I feel like they wasted my time because Mm -hmm. they set they set all this shit up with Chad. They had all this stuff going on. The, the helicopter crash, remember, on Marsha's Vineyard yeah. that we never got any information about. And we never find out why they started dating, how they started dating, how long they were right, dating. Right, there's no backstory. So we're gonna we're just going to dispose of all of that and just have them hook up again. So like fucking surface level. I, I, feel, I feel like they wasted my time and that's what really pisses me off. You know, if they were out to make Chad look like the villain, why would they even bother making it seem like they were happy together? Because there were times where Veronica seemed to like or, you know, love Chad. And, you know, if they were just going to get rid of him and have her go back to Archie, why even bother humanizing him? Because she doesn't seem upset about leaving him. She has no remorse. She goes and hooks up with Archie within like 20 minutes. So it's not like she feels conflicted about this decision or she has any sort of doubts about whether or not it's the no, right one. No, I think one. that was her. I think the minute she got back to Riverdale, that was her. But yeah, well, she was it coming was on to Archie head. pretty much immediately. Right. So that was her ending game. Oh, no, you said it. I'm sorry. You said it. Yeah, she she knew go, once she hit Riverdale, that's Chad was out of the picture. He was done. It's so disrespectful. It to, is. To us and to the characters just to not give that any substance, any time. I don't know who made these decisions, but like they were terrible. Putting Archie and Veronica back together is the biggest cop out. Nobody wants it. Their relationship was boring and stale. By the time it ended the last time, which was only like, it was in this season, right? Episode one. Yeah, episode one of this season, they broke up and they're already back together in episode eight. Granted, it's supposed to be seven years later. I don't care. Um, Although while we're on that subject... Veronica's suddenly okay with the fact that Archie and Betty have been hooking up, even though that's why they broke up, because she suspected that Archie had feelings for Betty. Right. And suddenly it's just like, that's in the past now. Yeah, so is the kiss that that you guys fucking broke up over, but all right. (laughs) And like, oh, that's in the past. Oh, your your marriage that you quickly are dissolving before us? It's in the past. Right? It's all in the past. It was like five minutes ago in the past, but it's still in the past. It's in the past. God, it bothers. It's really frustrating. Yeah, she suddenly trusts him again. Like, it's just lazy as Mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, here's the thing. Out of everything that Riverdale has put us through over the years, you know, the Gargoyle King, the farm, Jughead faking his own death, the musical episodes, this is the shit that makes me want to stop watching this show. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I just, I have to say, because, you know, the the crazy stuff, at least they're trying. This writing was sloppy and unoriginal. They blew a golden opportunity to do something different and take the show to a new and exciting place. Right. Have people with new people. And all they did was regress right back to where we were. And I feel like, as I said a million times at this point, I feel like I've wasted my time. They're not building anything here. There's no depth. They're just trying to do so many different things simultaneously. So they're not doing any one thing well. Mm -hmm. They're spreading themselves too thin. (sighs) And to think we're going to get another season. I can't overstate how disappointed I was in this episode. I'm, I'm just so angry. It, it could have it could have been so much better. And it's great because we were texting each other back and forth throughout the episode. Just how much like we both lost, not that we lost interest, but it got to a point where we're like, okay, why am I paying attention right now? Because we're just getting the same stuff from seasons ago, just years later. And it was, I, I mean, I told you, I'm like, at the half hour point, I'm done writing notes because I don't <laughs> think I have to really remember anything else or write it down for shock value none of this was important none of it okay so you have two or four left four four okay this is kevin this was interesting because with my notes the first thing i wrote was oh my god kevin blowing truck Honestly, that's how it opened. Yeah, but no, I have similar notes. I didn't write blowing truckers, but I said, oh my God, Kevin is cheating on Fangs. And then we just suddenly find out that they're in an open relationship because, again, sloppy writing. Uh, we've had zero context for Fangs and Kevin right. thus far. Right. We were just hit with they're together. Yeah. Nothing of their relationship since high school, nothing. Yep. But it's just so funny because I'm like, first of all, Kevin, no. You love fangs. And then truckers. Oh, my God. We're going back to the truckers thing. Mm-hmm. Like, is there any yeah. relation? Right. Um, yeah. More but, on that in a minute. Yeah. That was that was one of the big things. And um, he's clearly lying about his whereabouts some of the times when he goes to see the trucker. Right. When he goes to get milk and cereal for Tony. Yes. He's <laughs> he's getting milk of another Oh, comment. I knew you were going to go I'm sorry. there. And now my I stomach is like, oh, no. Okay. Okay. So I I know I said in the last episode that I wanted to see more of Kevin and I was hoping that we were going to see more of Kevin. This is really not what I meant because I feel like we just got blindsided by this plot line where they could have been establishing it this entire time if they had just given Kevin and Fangs a little bit more screen time leading right. up to this episode. Yep. It just feels like it comes out of nowhere and suddenly we're supposed to be like, oh, yeah, sure. We knew all about this. Or I understand that they, like, wanted to keep Tony's baby daddy a secret. Who is the baby daddy? We don't know yet. It's still a <laughs> it's secret. still unclear, uh, which is great. Um, Watch well, it's Hiram. Stop. Oh, no. Honestly, I was going to suggest that in the first episode. I was like, they can't do that. That would be so fucked up. Wow. <laughs> Let's tie this into aliens somehow. That and, was a quick murders. That was a quick tinfoil theory. Sorry about that. <laughs> That just came to my head. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe she went through like a sperm donor or I something. I don't think so. And it's Hiram. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Hiram donates sperm on the I really side. Hope, I really hope though it's somebody that I hope we get our shock value with that. Oh, I just assumed it was either Kevin or Fangs and they just weren't telling us who it was. 
No, I don't think it's that. No? no? Oh, snap. Okay. No, I think she got knocked up. She didn't think she could, so she was just fucking around. No, I thought around. she was trying. She was trying to have babies. Right, she, she found, well, no, she found out she couldn't. Well, she found that she couldn't the older she got, so then if she wanted to have kids, she was going to have to pursue it immediately. Right, so. So she was pursuing it immediately. Right, I think it was intentional. Right, but we don't know who she was with at the time. We don't hire him. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. Okay. That or Reggie. Yeah, I actually thought of Reggie in the first episode as well. Yeah, I thought of Reggie. I don't think there's anybody else for, unless they really pull somebody We're running out of, out of men here. Yeah, We're unless they pull somebody out of left field. I don't know. Yeah. The yeah. TBK, I don't know. Oh, no, that would be so... Glenn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um. Okay, so as I was saying... Yeah, sorry. I know I wanted more of kevin this is just not the way to to do it although it feels like kevin is with us here in being blindsided by this information mm. because it's not like he didn't know that this announcement was coming that he didn't know that they were going to be engaged and he didn't know that this baby was going to be theirs because he starts reacting suddenly as though this is all coming upon him at once and right. he's not ready for it and like, it's like you planned this yeah so. you were aware that this was happening maybe some communication could have benefited everybody here yeah I just think it's an incredibly shitty thing to say to somebody you've been dating for eight years that you're not sure if you're ready. <laughs> right? Like, it's been eight years. So what, yeah. What's ready? Yeah. Define ready. Exactly. I When we were texting during the episode, was it during the episode when we were talking about The Bachelor? Yes. That this reminded us of the season finale of The Bachelor. So in, in the spirit of such, I came up with a little game for you to play. Oh. I pulled some quotes from The Bachelor and from Riverdale. And I would like no you to way! I would like you to guess if Matt <gasps> said it or if Kevin said it. Yes, I'm so excited. Are you ready? Yes. Okay, so here's the first quote. I don't know what to think or what to do. Matt. Yes. <sighs> Correct. Number two. I love you so much, but I'm not ready to get married. Kevin. Yes. Number three. The last thing I want to do is bring someone into a situation that I'm not ready for. Fuck, that's tough. Why is that one so Honestly, tough? they were all so similar. I was like, this might be really this hard. This might be the bachelor. <laughs> no, I... Oh, shit. Matt? Yes. Okay. Okay, number four. I'm thinking about what it means to be a man and what marriage means and what it means to be a husband and take accountability for things. And now I'm questioning if I'm there. Matt? Yes. I was going to say that was way too thorough for Kevin. And it was kind of rambling, but, you know. Okay, so, and then number five. I know, I know, I'm so messed up. I'm just sorry. Again, that could be either of them, but I think that's Kevin. Yes, five Woo! for five. Good job. What does that prove? I have no life and I watch <laughs> a lot of television. But, no, I mean, they were very similar. Yeah, yeah. They were, it was like. And it even got to a point where I think I said to you, I think all the men in Riverdale are the same as Matt. (laughs) Just how they approach anything at all. So indecisive. Suddenly surprised. Right. When things uh, get serious. (laughs) Like, oh, what did I sign up for? Hello. Oh, God. If we had a podcast for Bachelor. Mm, Oh, man. Yep. And we had a lot of content this week. We did. <laughs> you know what? It's a good thing we only have one. Right. I, I and don't it's a good think... thing we were able to incorporate some of our thoughts because 
That's funny. Yeah, have to get that out there. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the the non-traditional family goes, I'm not opposed to that. I personally could not do something like that, I don't think, uh, or would not do something like that, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to do so long as you're bringing a child into the environment where everybody wants to participate. Right, And yes, it's a stable environment, which this is not. Because, obviously, Fangs and Kevin have some issues. Oh, it's nowhere close, which I'm curious as to how Tony finds... Tony doesn't seem to be aware of any... Well, I mean, Fangs lives with even... them. But they, they all live together, so how is there no... Rec- like, how is nobody considering Well, that's what this? I mean. It seems like this plot, even though we're supposed to believe that it started a while ago, it seems like none of it had started until this episode. Because Kevin has these feelings apparently and just now is voicing them and And that's baffling to me and it cracks me up though because as i'm watching the episode and i'm watching kevin and just how he is about everything it's not kevin who i thought would be this person who was so unsure and wants to be the one that's kind of swinging Mm -hmm. like he's the one that's like tells fangs like Bring your trucker buddy to the party. Like, whoa, buddy. Yeah. Hello. Like, you just announced you're going to father a child, and now you're, you, you want to start He wants to get all the horn dog impulses out. But, but he th- has been for God yeah. knows how long. And and then he also, when Fangs is like, is this about the, you know, the guys? And, and, and Kevin's like, no, it's not. So if it's not about boning other guys and committing to one person, what is it about? Right. I, that, that's also what I don't understand here. What is this about? Because Kevin flips out, and it's just, it it doesn't seem to be triggered by anything. It, it doesn't seem to be triggered by anything, so I don't understand what is freaking him out. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know how I feel, because, <laughs> like you said, we're just really getting this information now. Yeah. Up until this point, they seemed pretty fucking happy it really would not have been that hard for them to incorporate here or there like a little bit of tension between kevin and fangs from day one yeah but we haven't gotten any. all we've gotten is kevin with quippy like one-liners and i was super happy when i saw that they were together this long yeah like right oh my god seven years later they're together like oh my god i love and i love fangs but um yeah i think i just wasn't expecting kevin to be the one that was so unsure and the one sleeping around you know like it just didn't it doesn't seem that way. it doesn't make any sense because if it's not if it's not about the guys that they're boning on the side then what is it about kevin says it's me like what does that mean i don't, I don't know. know it's just it <laughs> again there's no backstory there's no yeah, we don't there's know. nothing to go off of. i know we can't even really speculate here but it's not even like kevin had some kind of trauma i guess his parents were divorced but I, I it's so unclear where it's coming from. I just what a disservice. <laughs> no, I know, and I feel like hopefully we get a little more backstory on that. I don't know how much they kind of made it seem like this was their end or their turning point, where we're gonna see either less and less of one or the other, or yeah. we're gonna see how both people end up. I I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to push one away. You know what I you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like just, are you are you working on that? It's weird that and Fang says it, he's like, Why are you imploding us? And that's an actual question that I have for the show. Why are you imploding them? Why? Just for drama? 
because this doesn't make any sense. It's the wrong couple to do it with. Yeah. I Just give us one stable couple. That's all I want. Yeah, we have none. 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 And actually, so this segues into my final... Number two. Piece of the rant. Number two, Archie and Betty. So, I mean, I guess I was sort of right about one thing. Archie catching feelings was going to ruin this arrangement with Betty, except it wasn't catching feelings for Betty. It was catching feelings for Veronica. How? Why? I'm so mad about it. No, it really... (laughs) Look, we flew too close to the sun. We got the most realistic, relatable relationship this show has ever provided us with. Situationships. Yes. And they just snatched it the fuck away from us. We flew too close to the sun. We did. Those... uh, Their their situationship... Was the closest you and I could relate to. We were robbed. We should should all be furious. (laughs) We were clinging on to that for dear life because. Honestly, it was giving, it was making me want to tune in every week to see what kind of kinky, weird sex Archie and Betty were up to. Because it made the most sense. It's the most realistic situation that we could ever get in this show. Yeah. And they took it away from us. I'm, I'm angry. I, my fists are clenched. (laughs) I'm not happy. It, you know, Betty handled it with such grace, and she was like, yeah, you know what, this was about to get really deep anyway, because I got some shit going on, and Archie's like, ooh, yeah, um, okay, I'm just, just gonna go, go yeah, I'm just gonna go hook up with Veronica now, because love. Because, right, it's, it's it's the other person from high school. They're, like, <laughs> I, the only <laughs> other woman in the entire world that Archie could possibly love. The only other jeweler in Riverdale. Like, I can't. The only jeweler in Riverdale, because nobody can afford jewelry in Riverdale. Right? Ugh. The store's closed. Yeah, oh my uh. god, the store's still closed? That's unbelievable. Yet she's renovating the whole apartment. Makes no sense, but okay. Oh, it just deeply depresses me that we're not going to see more... Archie Betty sex. I'm very upset about it. They that. had amazing chemistry. Oh, they did. Amazing. It's so much. It I made honestly, me hot. I'm not going to lie. I'm honestly upset because Archie and Veronica have zero chemistry. Am I right in saying that? It's like cousins. Since day one. Oh, I, I never liked them together. I never liked them together either. But now that I've seen Archie with Betty, it's even worse because I know what it could be. And it is this bullshit that we're going to get. And I'm so uninterested in Archie and Veronica having sex. I I can't I can't even tell you. I would rather watch paint dry. Okay, <laughs> that's better than what I was gonna say. I'm just annoyed because, like you said, seeing Archie and Betty was like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, because it was that. It made sense. It made sense. It had that like a legal sense to it where it was like, oh, we have to be hush hush. Right. But, like, and we're really telling anybody. Right. Which are half the relationship situationships I've been in. Yeah. <laughs> Uninver- inadvertently on my end. But anyway. <laughs> right. <You're... laughs> we can't even get started I on can't. that. That's no, a totally that, different that's a podcast. Different... <laughs> we won't. But I can relate. So anyway. I was annoyed that he goes back to the person who get who has no oh she it's really hard to describe Veronica. It's it's Anna. hard to put into words how disappointing this is, I think. I feel. Yeah. I tried. I I rambled for pages about how this pissed me off and I couldn't even really quantify why it pisses me off so much. It just Cuz really I think does. we're back to again, we're back to square one. We're going backwards. There are again, there's no ca- character development. Everyone's the same. What else? What else could I say? 
you were ramping it up to be like, oh, this one's with this one and this one's with this one and it's a different dynamic and boom. And now you're just taking it all away and it's crumbling in front of us and everybody's just going back to who they were once with. Right. And there's nothing interesting to take away except for aliens, but we'll get into that too. Oh God, yeah. But there's nothing to take away from any relationship in this show anymore. No. I know we could go on and on. I'm just so mad. I'm so mad. Like I really can't. I really can't with it. And why it cracks me up that almost every day since the episode you have IM'd me at work and you're like, (laughs) but I'm so angry. I'm so mad. I did a rewatch and I'm so angry. (laughs) (laughs) Every single time. It just, it makes me so angry. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like I I'm, I feel like I I don't want to wrap up on Archie and Betty because I'm so upset about no, it. No, I mean we could still just we can give a little um, headway on the alien situation and oh wait wait I have something that's okay. sort of related to okay. Archie and Betty. Oh well oh oh well uh, peripherally. So there's that moment in the beginning where Tony and Kevin and Fangs bring everybody together to announce their engagement and baby situation. Uh, and then Jughead comes in and he like makes a point of saying hi to Betty in the most awkward fucking way possible. What was that? It was weird. And I also noticed that they haven't had really any interaction no. since they've been back in Riverdale. They seriously, None. maybe that's why. Maybe they, maybe that was the show being self-aware again and being like, oh, hey, you're still here. Right, right. <laughs> As he... Eats a bag of Lay's potato chips. Oh, yes. Who had Lay's on their bingo card for uh, Riverdale sponsorships of season five. Who knew it would be another bag of chips so soon? <laughs> oh, man. Can't wait for next week. I know, right? But, yeah, I think when I noticed that, like, them just standing next to each other even. I'm like, have they even interacted since they came back? I don't think so. Yeah, really? We still don't know what that voicemail was that Jughead left for her. <gasps> Do you remember that? Yeah. We, we got teased with that, and we just have Nothing. Nothing. Again, they keep leaving us short on a lot of things. Backstory. I I really wish that they would backfill. I want to know the tweener years. Yes, they need to backfill because we have no context for any of what's happening right now. But in present day, I keep going back to the aliens only because... Yeah, you seem to really want to talk about the aliens. Not even that. I just feel like... I just... I, I feel like we should announce first that... We're moving away from things that sucked about the episode to things that were actually pertinent and valuable from the episode. And Which, interesting. And if you sum up all of the minutes of things that were important, it's like probably 11, approximately 11 minutes of yeah. this episode were actually valuable. So please continue with the valuable stuff. Sure, of course. Jughead and Tabitha decide to meet with the doctor who was going to look at the alien body that has now disappeared. The Mothman mummy. Yes. <laughs> that was covered in maple syrup. Ew. Delicious. So she notices that Jughead's just overall persona is fucked up and says, listen, I think it's from... <laughs> I think therapy could be th- for you. Right. I think your you know, underlying you know, trauma right. is what's causing anything you're talking about right now. Not that she finds that he's lying about aliens, but... Just in general, his overall outlook on anything. And he denies it at first with his fucking mustache. Um, (laughs) Is that relevant? No, because it was very pertinent in that scene (laughs) that when they panned to him to say to her, like, deny the therapy, that's all I saw. And I was very upset. (laughs) So he says no. And, you know, the next scene we see him and he's teaching class and he's, um, they're going over Slaughterhouse-Five. And I don't know why... 
I mention this as being a foreshadowing situation because I feel like whenever they discuss anything of its actual title, like when they actually yeah. give you a hint, I feel especially, like there's a hint there. Especially books. I feel like the writers of the show are particularly pretentious and like to show off when they're aware of some of the classic novels in American history. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have a, a quick blurb about it because I just looked it up because I'm like, okay, they're mentioning a title straight on it's got to have some relevance here one of the things that i read it says the destructiveness of war is the major theme of slaughterhouse five the protagonist billy pilgrim and other characters like paul azaro bernardo harry and including the writer suffer from physical as well as psychological devastation caused by the war now jughead while he's teaching the class says he's asking about characters and stuff like that and he brings up the main character, Billy P- Pilgrim, and says that they consider him to be crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what stood out with me and made me look up the book only because he is kind of going crazy. Right. We're implying that he's on a similar trajectory. Correct. And, and did you notice that in the group therapy session, the first speaker's name is Bill? I did not. Put that together. Oh, hey. Very fancily. But throughout... (laughs) See Riverdale writers? I could do it, too. (laughs) (laughs) They should let us write an episode. Oh, God, please. I would do it so good. We'd have Archie and Betty having sex all over the place. All of it. But Anyway, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So throughout any of Jug's scenes, he is having visions of these aliens. And I noticed that there are different kinds they have different looks about them. Yeah, one of them had those crazy shoulder yes. pad situations happening. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Extra- They're from the 80s. <laughs> are they wings? Are the they shoulder pads? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, no, like all of his visions of aliens or supernatural are different. But he is having them. None of them look like the mummified alien. No just want to put that which was even more yeah intriguing so he does decide to go to group so tabitha goes with him to group and he starts telling a story and it's what we've all seen obviously and while he's telling his story he has yet another one Mm -hmm. and he decides i'm getting the fuck out of here and obviously that leads him to then drink and then that's when he goes to the party and he's sloshed Uh, so i need some help with jughead's thing here because my impression is so this anthropologist came in and she seems to think that the blackout that Jug had experienced either had to do with an actual alien encounter or suppressed trauma. Mm-hmm. This is confusing because while it does seem likely that Jughead does have repressed trauma, it also seems likely that he had some kind of encounter because it's so similar to the one that Pop Tate and Nana Rose recounted for him. So I don't understand how one ties into the other. And Jughead also tells Tabitha that the last time he blacked out was in New York City after he was on a bender, basically, where he was drinking heavily and did drugs. And that doesn't sound anything like what happened the night that he had his other blackout. He wasn't doing drugs. He was drinking, but... He was drunk. As we know, he wasn't drunk because we've seen him be really blackout drunk at Cheryl's party. And he was not slurring his words or stumbling around. He seemed pretty with it. Yeah. So while he may have been drinking, I don't think he was blackout level drunk. So those two scenarios don't seem related. I'm confused. 
It leads me to believe that his trauma that she's referring to, I mean, if we want to go back, it could be anything in Riverdale history. It could be, but I'm assuming it's something that happened while he was in New York. Right. For him to then bring it up to Tabitha and say that was the one time he blacked out. So that could be the reference point where... Yeah. Well, that makes sense when to me. The, the doctor says, <laughs> Right. The doctor says to him, oh, past trauma. And that's the first scenario he thinks of the last time he blacked out. So associating the two isn't really far-fetched. So, yeah. I just... I don't... If, if the only options here are blackouts are caused by alien encounters or trauma... It seems like both apply to Jughead and both could equally be true. But we, I don't want to say we know that alien counters are real, but we do have other people giving accounts of that. So it's not like Pop Tate had trauma or Nana Rose had trauma when Nana they experienced. Well, Nana Rose Okay, yeah, trauma. okay, never mind. It's not like Pop Tate had any trauma. Correct. <laughs> or Old Man Dreyfus and his friends and, and such. Like, I mean, I guess we don't know specifically, but we have to assume that their alien encounters were legitimate. Yeah. And so what happened to Jughead feels like it should also fall into like that category. Like a fever dream type of situation. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Which she's trying to relate it to maybe his drinking, like, you drink, you have these visions, that's what it could be about. Because you've heard the stories. Yeah. It's I a mean, subconscious situation. That that could be, but then the Mothman corpse from Nana Rose. Right, and then it disappeared. Right. The night of the big light. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if, if we do assume that Jughead was hallucinating because he was drunk or, you know, passed out because he had been drinking too much, it's a hell of a coincidence that the Mothman corpse also disappeared on that night at the exact moment that he passed out unless he was the one who moved it somewhere and didn't realize it and didn't know because he lost time we don't know possible possible but i i this whole thing kind of confused me it added like an extra layer to it that i wasn't prepared for and this is why i'm talking about a little bit with spreading the plot too thin here i think I think this was complicated enough before they introduced this whole potential mental illness underlying cause into it. So now I'm just fucking confused. (laughs) So another thing that they tried to, I feel like they tried to draw a line to was Polly's disappearance. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not convinced because they're bringing in a lot of factors when it comes to her disappearance. Yeah. Oh, it's truckers. Oh, it's this. Now they're kind of making it seem like aliens. Right. And and this like falls a little bit into line with my idea that some of these plots have to be connected in some way. Otherwise, there's just like too much going on here. But for this particular association, I just don't feel like there's enough to sustain it. No. Because all she says, so Alice gets a phone call from Polly and Polly describes where she's being held it's dark it's cold it's shiny is that what she said something like that yeah did she um, mention metal i think she metal. Mentioned metal she said it sounds like metal or feels like metal and alice said honestly it sounds like a spaceship which i feel like is a really weird leap to make yeah if if alice has no concept of what's going on with the mothman investigation Right, for that to be the thing she brings up. Yeah, because honestly, my mind initially went to um, like a semi-truck trailer. Oh, yeah. Or the bunker, (laughs) actually. Oh, God. My mind went to the bunker. Um, But could it be what we end up seeing in the end? 
what the phone booth phone booth she was it's being held in a phone metal, booth but um <laughs> there's a lot of blood yeah but i don't think she was being kept captive in a phone booth we don't know that we don't but that doesn't seem like a particularly secure location no but it's cold and it's metal <laughs> oh there's some metal yeah okay i'm, I'm gonna veto that and theory. that's how she can use a phone well it seems like she's escaped from wherever she's being held to make this phone call but she's made two phone calls so what did they recover her after the first phone call and then she escaped again to make the second phone call or she couldn't stay on the phone for very long after the first one hid for a while and then went back when it was safe good point good point we don't know the thing that bothers me is when polly said or no when betty said call me on my cell phone we're coming to get you why were they not on the phone with her the whole time they were in the car right, driving to pick her, her up? Phone. Like, I, I thought that was the point. I thought that was why Betty said, call me on my cell phone, because we're going to get in the car and come get you. And then nobody was on the cell phone with Polly. No. And then she was gone. And, you know, I that that didn't make... like. And if Polly couldn't call them back, then say, like, Polly still hasn't called or, you know, indicate that the phone call never happened. We just don't really know what happened to that follow-up. No. So that was kind of annoying to me because why wouldn't you stay on the phone with the person until you got to them? Because it's Riverdale and they're <sighs> so annoying. annoying. But yeah, so we just, we show up at a phone booth that was completely destroyed, covered in blood, and there's a beam of light over it. But I think it's a, sto- uh, it's a street, street light. light. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't look so good, but it could be anybody's blood. We don't know that it's Polly's blood. And... Again, I I do think Polly is going to be recovered alive at the end of this. So I'm just, I think she has a certain amount of plot armor in that. Yeah. I mean, the investigation is going to go on. I mean, we have a lot. I think we have some more time looking for her. Oh, for sure. And, you know, this was just a close call, or at least to keep our faith (laughs) intact that she is still alive. But... And we still have the TBK to think about. Yeah. I mean, quiet this episode. We don't really get to hear anything about it. But yeah, it I, seems to pop in randomly. I do want to talk about the Lonely Highway Killer because oh, we... I forgot about that. <laughs> I mean, the name that I invented for this serial killer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Although Betty... Uh, no. Polly says they. When mm. she says, like, they're coming or they're coming for me or something so that implies more than one kidnapper or at least more than one person involved in this Mm -hmm. but we also they found another body in Swedlow Swamp this place is just coming up bodies yeah and it's I mean obviously it's not Polly but it's also not squeaky it appears to have been there for a significant period of time significant period of time wow I really slurred (laughs) that I'm finding it odd that we're not discovering more recent bodies. Yeah, why are they so old? Which leads me to wonder if they found a new dumping ground or something. I I, I just feel like that's something to to note because every single body they've come up with has been like has been there for a couple of years. Hmm. And that seems strange to me given we've had abductions recently. Hira. <laughs> yeah, okay. Watch your tinfoil there. I'm telling you. Yeah. He knocked up Tony and he's killing (laughs) He's behind it all. Right? Like, that's, that's, to me, that's the end. That's, that's what's going to happen. 
Um, but I did also want to note, so we know that there are at least 21 girls that have gone missing in the surrounding areas over the past three years. If we kind of like approximate that, or what did I, wait, 21 girls 21. over the last seven years. Yes. The reason I said three was because I did some math there and factored out that that's maybe like three girls a year. Right. Which makes a lot of sense for a trucker on that kind of schedule who may be passing through the area at Mm -hmm. various times of the year. So I think that still tracks that it would be a trucker that would be responsible for the disappearances slash deaths. I don't don't know. I I still... Do we suspect... The trucker hookup guy, Rick, I think is his name. I feel like it's an easy choice to make. Yeah, well, I'm going to put him on my murder board because I think he's the only trucker we know of by name outside of Fangs and then just like the general serpent community. Yeah. So if they were hooking, if Kevin and Rick were hooking, (laughs) hooking up, (laughs) fucking A, if they were hooking up near. his truck it didn't have a skeleton on the front so there's that but i don't know i i think it's wise to just keep him on our radar yeah i mean they brought him up enough times in the episode for him to be somewhat relevant yeah and again if we're gonna assume that this person is a trucker he's the only other trucker that we're aware of at this time so might as well pay attention uh final thoughts tinfoil any tinfoil no i think my tinfoil has run out we didn't talk about spiffany's uh, or yeah, katie just looked at that. <laughs> that she was credited yeah but she, she didn't held, even appear she didn't appear she just talked on the phone bitch has way seconds. too much to do that she can't yeah, even she's appear. fucking skeet <laughs> <laughs> don't even uh spiffany's good one do you what? think we're gonna see chad again oh absolutely Really? I think we're done with Chad. I think I think Chad, he has... I fire. think Chad would be a pesky fly, but, like, nothing serious. Serious? Ooh, unless he enlists with Hiram, that would be amazing. That would be really funny. I would actually be down with that. Because, uh, you know, justice for Chad, I think poor Chad got the short end of the stick here. I feel like I'm on... I We liked him. I liked him. He's not guiltless in the no. scenario, but... I love that the reason that Veronica finally asks for a divorce is because they went to a key party and her husband was not okay with her going home with an ex-lover. Like, that seems totally reasonable. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and also, when he IM'd her in the beginning of the episode, literally all he said was, good morning, sweetie. Like, how'd you sleep? And she was like, fuck <laughs> not you. Not now, <laughs> Not now, Chad. And she's like, slam. Like, I, I would use that as my, as something to get people out of my way. For Not now, time. Chad. Not now, Chad. It's just so unfair. I, I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't think he's blameless and he's not like a perfect human or anything. But he's not awful. But she, he was just as bad as she was. It, it didn't make any sense to me, but I hope we see Chad again. Yeah, we'll see. I did miss Hiram this episode, but so he's I. got too much murdering to do. and uh, He's murdering. Yeah, and alien. And knocking up people. <laughs> According to moi. That would be wild. Well, if you have any theories about what Hiram's been up to while he's been off screen, or who's their product placement going to be next week, another brand of chips, 
or perhaps another beverage. God, it's just the possibilities are endless. They are. Please get in touch at I hate it. Let's watch it at gmail.com. And until then, that's Endgame. 